This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Your possibilities. Possibilities. Hello there, this is Andrew Jobling and welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another fabulous week. I have just had an incredible conversation with Andrea Nicholson, who is in Denver, Colorado, and she's a holistic nutrition and lifestyle coach, focusing on digestive wellness, but also energy, weight loss, all that sort of stuff. And it's a really powerful conversation that I've just had with her. She started as a crime scene investigator and now she says she uses her investigative skills to solve health challenges. She actually had to solve her own health challenge because she was doing what she thought she should be doing, and she ended up her health failing miserably. She has a serious family history of heart disease and was going down that path until she decided to find out what the issues were and what to do to create optimal well-being in her body. She has done that, and now she helps other people do it as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful conversation with Andrea Nicholson. Hello, Andrea Nicholson. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? Oh, could not be better. And you're just saying you, this is your third podcast interview for the day. It is. And look at you, you're still <laughs> bursting with energy. Yeah. You know, I get really energized with these conversations. It's so fun. You get to really reconnect with, you know, why we do this. When you actually get to talk about why we do the things we do, it's really empowering and I get excited about it. Good. Well, I'm glad because it would be good for the audience if you was like, yeah, well, this is my story and <laughs> it's not that exciting, but right, we want excitement. Yeah. So, Andrea, you are currently living in beautiful Denver, Colorado. I am, yes. Beautiful part of the world, isn't it? It is. I love it here. I love the mountains. Yeah. What's it like at the moment? Are there snow on the mountains? On the mountains, yes. I live down in the foothills and there are, is no snow down here right now, but you never know. You know, the weather changes all the time. So so do you walk out your door and look up and see beautiful mountains? I do. Oh my gosh, I'm jealous. <laughs> and if you've lived there your whole life or have you just recently moved? Nope, lived here my whole life. I left for two years for grad school and that was it. But otherwise I've been here the whole time. Yeah, awesome. So Andrea... What's exciting you at the moment? Oh, geez, so many things. I just recently attended a conference and got all reinvigorated on particular metabolic health methods and all those kinds of things. So I, I always geek out on the science. I love that side of health. It's also ski season here. So I love going skiing. And so, you know, just being active and living life and learning and loving all the things. So, so Andrea, you are a holistic nutritionist, a lifestyle coach, and you're focusing on digestive wellness. Is that pretty much sum it up? Yeah, that's the good description of it. I also do a lot of just metabolic health stuff in general. So I work with a lot of blood sugar stuff, a lot of you know low energy, energy metabolism, those kinds of things, stubborn weight or weight optimization. So lots of different things, but digestion and low energy are kind of the top two complaints that I hear. Yes, I would imagine they would be. All right, let's just jump straight in here. What causes digestive issues primarily and low energy from your perspective? Yeah, there's lots of different things. The most common things I see are poor quality diet in general. If you're not taking in good foods, then your digestion doesn't really work optimally. So that's a big part of it. But it's also, you know, we live in a really stressed out life. 
And stress has a huge impact on how well we break down our foods, how well we eliminate the toxins, how well we, you know, just do all of the things that we need to be able to do to take in and get rid of all of the good and bad things. So I think that's a big part of it. And then, you know, we're also surrounded by a lot of toxins and those are killing off our good bacteria. They're increasing our need for detox and we're sometimes overburdening our systems and then they're not able to do what they need to do. And so that's why we have to approach this stuff holistically. It's not just about eating more vegetables. That doesn't necessarily fix the problem. It's not just about taking a probiotic. That doesn't necessarily fix the problem either. So we really do have to approach diet, the lifestyle, the holistic process. Yeah. What do you find for people you're working with barriers to actually follow through with the stuff you teach? Because the stuff you're talking about, if people are listening to this are going, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know I need to eat more fruit and vegetables and I know I need to exercise and drink more water and I know there's a lot of stress and I know I've got to do stuff. A lot of people go, yeah, yeah, I know it, but do nothing about it. How do you sort of get people to follow through? You know, it's difficult. A lot of it is mindset, you know, really getting into the belief of how important it is and really living that, you know, living, knowing that this is what you really need to do. I think some people are also really data-driven. And so when they see lab test results that are outside of the ranges that they want to be, if they actually get, you know, some kind of information back from a test that scares them or that, you know, really shows them the path that they're on, even if they're not to a diagnosis yet, I think that can be really enlightening. And I think when we understand the greater impact that these choices are having, it becomes easier to actually stick with the plan. And so sometimes it's reframing our thoughts. Sometimes it's actually relabeling things. Like I think if we start calling junk foods for what they are, which is poison, it makes them less appealing. I don't want to have poison cake. That's true. But I might want just cake. But like if we can start reframing what these things are actually doing to us, it makes it a little easier to make those choices. Yeah. And I think we often just put things in our mouth and we don't stop and think about the long-term consequence. We just see it as, well, it was a bit of cake. It wasn't that big a deal. And then the next day, oh, look, it was just a donut. And then the next day, it was just a soft drink or a sugary drink. It's not a big deal. We look at these as just one-off isolated events and we don't stop and think about it. You mentioned the word mindset and I'm right into mindset because everything's mindset. Good health, bad health, happiness, sad. It's all mindset because at the end of the day, we don't do anything, say anything, behave in a certain way that we don't first think about or have a belief about. So it's all mindset. So when people start to go, okay, if I make that choice, what's going to be the impact on my body? But then what's the impact on my belief? What's the long-term impact on my habits? Therefore, what's the impact that's going to have on my life? on my family, on my work, on my career, on the things I'm passionate about. I don't think people really stop mindfully and think about, I don't think any of us do. The things I do every day and I go, oh, wow, I shouldn't have done that or I should have thought more about that. But sometimes we just need to be a bit more mindful, don't we? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is so much of our lives, we're mindless. We just go through automatic things. We eat without even thinking about things. We miss meals without even thinking about it. We grab food on the go. We skip our workouts, we do all these things, and we're not even like pausing to think about it. And I think if we can be more mindful, then we can step into being a healthy person. And we just naturally start to make decisions like a healthy person would because we're living that identity. Yeah. So I think if you're listening to this right now, first step, because Andrew's going to share some amazing stuff, I know that. 
But the first thing is to go, why would I listen and why would I take notice and why would I act on some of the stuff Andrew's talking about? So I think the first step for people is why? Vision. How do I want to live? How do I want to be? How do I want to be with my family? How do I want to be in my career? How do I want to look and how do I want to feel about myself? I think when we go, yeah, I really want something different and I'm ready to do something different, then our mind is more fertile to actually take on information. Yeah, absolutely. We have to be in the right state. So let me ask you this. Let's just get people a bit uncomfortable to start with. I like getting people uncomfortable. We'll create the problem, then we'll solve it later. You talked about gut issues. You talked about lack of energy. And one thing you also talk about is weight gain. What are the things that are causing most of the gut issues you're seeing? Um, I see a combination of the wrong food choices. And some of those are even what we would consider to be healthy food choices, but they're not right for you. They're not right for your body or your body's not in a state to be able to handle them properly. So I think the food choices is a big part. I think the toxin exposure is a big part. The detox properties and the toxins that are killing off all of our good toxins bacteria. Toxins from that's where? A big part. And where then stress. They, where are these toxins coming from primarily? Stress, you They're, mentioned. Yeah, the toxins are coming from all kinds of things. They're coming, you know, obviously we have environmental toxins. We have pollutants, those kinds of things that we can't really directly control. But we also have toxins in our food supply you know, buying low quality foods, we have them from our cleaning products and our personal care products and cosmetics and just all of these chemicals that we're surrounded by every day are air fresheners and all of these chemical fragrances that we're using that are incredibly toxic. And most of us don't even realize it. We just know they smell good. We have no idea what's actually in them. And they are really causing a lot of toxin issues in the body. These toxins can build up in the body. They can mimic hormones. They can cause inflammation. They can kill bacteria. You look at our cleaning products and right on the label, it says kills 99.9% .9 of bacteria and viruses. Well, that's also killing the good ones in your body. Yeah. It kills living things. It kills all living things. It's... And it's also damaging your cells. Obviously, if we put it into our body, it's going to have a detrimental effect. So that's affecting gut health. Poor food choices, stress, toxicity. We're not going to solve the problem yet, guys, but hang around because we are going to solve this problem. Second thing was energy levels. What are the things that you're noticing most significantly impairing people's energy levels? One of the main drivers, and I think this one is one that a lot of people are not aware of, is blood sugar imbalances. There's a huge portion of the population walking around with really high blood sugar levels, and they don't know it because the only way you would know is to undergo proper testing. And unfortunately, most conventional doctors aren't doing proper testing because they're only looking for things they can diagnose you with. And there's a whole host of other markers that they are not ordering that will tell us way earlier on that you're headed down the wrong path and we don't have to ever get to that diagnosis. So I think that's a big one. If your sugars are high all the time, you can't properly utilize other fuels. Why is that happening for people if their blood sugars are high all the time? And this is common because we see the rate of type 2 diabetes, we see insulin resistance, we see all sorts of issues that we know primarily are choices that we're making. We love to blame. We love to go, well, it's not my fault because I've got a family history of diabetes or it's the food manufacturer's fault or it's the government's fault or it's COVID's fault. Whatever we like to blame, we know that really, if we're honest, we're responsible. What are the things that are causing this high blood sugar? Yeah, obviously diet plays a huge role. Carbohydrates are the biggest driver of blood sugar, although fats and proteins can also contribute to elevated blood sugars and how quickly the body handles the sugar. But the main thing is, like you mentioned, insulin resistance. As your blood sugars are climbing, the body needs more and more and more insulin to handle the blood sugar levels. And as that insulin level is climbing, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. 
the body stops responding. And so it takes even more insulin and more insulin. When insulin is high, this is a fat storage hormone. It's preventing you from being able to use your stored body fat for any kind of energy. You can only burn sugar when insulin is high. And so this means that rather than operating like a hybrid vehicle where you can switch between gas and electric, your body can't switch between sugar and fat. You can only burn sugar. But yeah. sugar burns through really, really fast. And then you end up with a crash and you're tired. And so if you're constantly in this mode, you're always hungry. You're never satisfied. You're always having to eat and you're tired all the time. And your food choices are often the ones that will give you that quick fix, the sugars, the yeah. processed foods, the things that are going to just cause that problem. And this is, I imagine, is what leading to weight gain and fat gain Absolutely. and all sorts of stuff. Okay. We've played in a pretty depressing picture here, Andrea. So thanks for chatting and we'll talk to you next. No, look, this is a reality for a vast majority of people. And they're sitting here going, well, yeah, I understand this. What are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to talk about that. Andrew's going to give you some amazing solutions to get off this roller coaster or this vicious, horrible cycle that you might be in after a quick break. We'll be back. How do you rate the most important things in your life? For many of us, long life and joy are high on the list. Important elements we can't buy, but the secret to attaining them is elusive and out of reach for many. Andrew Jobling has tackled these important questions in his book, The Wellness Puzzle, Living a Life of Joyful Longevity. Andrew solves the problem by teaching the seven pieces to optimal well-being. This is a must-read. Find out more about The Wellness Puzzle and Andrew's other books at andrewjobling.com.au. So, Andrea, you spent 15 years as a crime scene investigator. I did. <laughs> tell us a bit about that. And then tell us oh. about that shift. What do you say on your website? You are a crime scene investigator. Now I use my investigative skills to solve health challenges without giving generic advice to cut calories and exercise more. I'd love to hear about this crime investigation. Tell us a bit about how you got into that. Yeah. You know, I've always been a science geek. I've always loved just really anything science, especially as it relates to health or human beings or any of the things. And so I always loved mystery novels and those kinds of things. And it just became a logical career choice when I was in college. And so I ended up going down that path, spent 15 years in crime scene investigation and fingerprint analysis and comparison, ended up also as the lab manager. And, you know, I loved it. I love the investigation. I love the puzzle solving and gathering evidence and interpreting it and trying to come up with answers. And throughout that whole process of that career, I was going through my own health journey, which had nothing to do with my job. But, you know, we all have multiple things going on in our lives at one time. I was going through my own health journey and I was following all of the, you know, standard advice, eat every two hours, eat more vegetables, lots of whole grains, exercise every day, I was doing all these things. And I was actually getting worse. So what was happening? I Tell had... us a bit about your health issues. Yeah. So while I was employed there, you know, heart disease is obviously a major disease in lots of populations, but specifically in law enforcement with the high stress rates and, you know, some of those things heart disease is really rampant in the law enforcement community. And so my employer at the time actually brought in this comprehensive cardiac testing group where they did like carotid artery scans and they measured arterial thickness and they did all these crazy things and a really detailed lipid panel, all this stuff. And in my mid twenties at the time, my arterial age was 11 years older than my chronological age. So it was wow. already in my mid thirties when I was only in my twenties. Yep, I already had plaques forming. 
I wasn't handling stress very well. Like all of the things were terrible. And that's my family history. My family history is they all die very young of heart disease. That's why I was already headed down that same path. Tell us, tell us a family history, because this is really important because it's important to know for people that may be in a family where there's a pretty large history of whether it's cancer or heart disease or whatever, that that's not your destiny unless you allow that to be. Give us a bit of detail about this family history of yours. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know a whole lot. I was adopted as an infant, so I only know what little information is on my adoptive paperwork. But I do know that heart disease is the most common situation on both my mom and my dad's side of the family, to the point that all of the men died younger than 70. Many had had multiple heart attacks and bypasses and all of the surgeries associated with cardiovascular disease. And all of the women died younger than 50, including my mom, who passed away at 49. Oh, that's tragic. So I would have been orphaned at 15 years old had I not been adopted. So thankfully I was, and that was not the outcome I was after. So that was always in the back of my mind that I need to be concerned about heart disease, but I didn't really live the life, eating junk and doing all the things. You've actually changed your generational footprint now because of the choices you've made. Yeah, absolutely. But I wasn't on this path until I got that data. I don't know if that's the scientist in me or what that is, but it like proved that, oh, this really is a thing that's happening to me. And so now I want to do everything I can do to not let that be my future. Yeah, which is wonderful because, I mean, I think there are a segment of population would look at that and go, wow, all women die below 50, all men die below 70. Well, I'm a goner. And then they go the other way and go, well, my family history suggests I'm going to die. I may as well live it up now. But it's important for every single person to know that genetics are not determining your outcomes in life. You are. Because it's so, again, isn't it easy just to blame it? Oh, well, not my fault, family history. Yeah, there is really no truth to the family history being the problem. What runs in families is habits. That's a great point. I mean, genes do, yes. But genes are not what cause these diseases. It's the habits. You like the same foods. You do or don't do the same activities. You have the same lifestyle as the people in your family. That's why you have the same outcomes. Yeah. So when you found out that and when you thought, wow, if I don't do something different, I'm on the same path, what changed? You know, initially, I still didn't really know a whole lot. Unfortunately, this comprehensive testing was amazing, but they really didn't give any guidance. You know, unless you were really bad where they were like prescribing medications and some of those things, which I wasn't at that stage, they really couldn't give anything. It was just like, you know, eat a heart healthy diet and continue exercising. What a ridiculous thing to say. The advice, you go and eat a healthy diet and you'll be okay. What's a healthy diet? I mean, goodness gracious me. Well, you're going to tell us. Yeah. But for most people, it's like they think a white bread sandwich with ham and cheese and lettuce is healthy. Right. Or I had cornflakes for breakfast right. or fruit. I had fruit loops. That's got fruit in it. That must be healthy. Yep. A lot of people that I think, well, actually, I think we deep down know, but we really need to be told specifically. So specifically, what some of the changes that you made? Yeah, initially, because I was kind of left to my own devices, I just did some general searching. I read books. I did, you know, some of these things on heart healthy diets and All of the recommendations I saw were kind of in line with what the government guidelines were. Eat a lot more whole grains, eat a lot more vegetables, cut down on fats, specifically eliminate saturated fats. Like, you know, that was the standard advice. And that's what I did. I went back a year later, did the same panel, and it was worse. So the standard advice not only didn't help me, and I followed it, it actually made me worse. Yeah. So that was the first stage. 
So then, you know, I kept researching, I kept learning, I kept digging deeper and trying to understand more. And eventually I stumbled upon more accurate scientific information, which is almost exactly the opposite of what we've all been told. We actually need a lot of fats and specifically saturated fats are really heart protective. Yeah. They're not dangerous. They're not causing heart disease. They're not causing heart problems. So I stumbled on that. I also obviously fixed all the digestive issues because if we're not properly digesting our foods and we don't have those great nutrients, we don't have the building blocks to make hormones and enzymes and digestive products. And we don't have the things we need for proper detox and all of that. I, through this journey, actually discovered that I was chronically constipated. I didn't even know. I just thought it was normal. I had no idea that my totally infrequent bowel movements were not normal, that that was actually not okay. You know, and I know this is going places you probably don't want to go, but <laughs> I mean, when you start talking about pooping, but people have this problem. And again, yeah. like you, they're not necessarily aware that it's a problem. So if you don't right. mind me asking, how regular were you at that point? At that point, it was not regular at all. It was maybe once or twice a week. Wow. Which I think for a lot of people is pretty common. Okay. A lot of people are full of it. I'm yeah. not going to say the word, but they are full of it. <laughs> yeah, literally. And you don't want to be full of it you because it in no. your body is doing so much damage. Yeah. 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 It's a big problem. So you want to get it out quick. Yeah. So that was a big turning point is when I actually addressed the gut health and I was eating a better quality diet, which was far lower in carbohydrates. I wasn't eating every two hours anymore. I was still eating good quality vegetables, but not to the level that I had been. I mean, at one point I actually transitioned to a full vegetarian diet in the hopes that eating even more vegetables would fix it all. And shockingly, you would think with all that fiber, I would have an amazing gut bacterial profile. I actually had very few bacteria. Even with all that fiber, I was basically starving my good bacteria out. They didn't have the nutrients they needed to survive. They didn't have the diversity because I was eating the same, say, 20 foods. That was the extent of my entire diet was the same 20 foods, almost all of which were plants. It was very low in protein. I was very low in healthy fats, which led to mm. a whole bunch of nutritional deficiencies. And so when I finally learned all this information and applied a real quality diet that was higher in protein, that was higher in fat, that was way lower in carbohydrates that wasn't eating all the time, it yeah, reversed all of those things. That's awesome. And I think it's important to define carbohydrate for people because that's confusing too. Carbohydrates, really anything that's got sugar in it would be defined as carbohydrate, which would range all the way from a processed bread or pasta or rice or cereal or cracker or biscuit or whatever, all the way, even lettuce. I mean, lettuce and salad and vegetables is also considered carbohydrate. Yes. So when you say you ate less carbohydrate, specifically what kind of foods were you eating less of and what kind of foods were you eating more of? Because we need carbohydrates. It's an essential yeah. food group. Yeah, I basically eliminated all of the refined carbohydrates. So all of the breads and pastas and rices and even a lot of beans, they really were not working so well for me. So beans and legumes, a lot of that went, not entirely. I still do eat them from time to time. I also cut way back on the starchy vegetables, the all the underground potatoes and tubers and oh, that's hard to give up potatoes, isn't it? Yeah, I still eat them because I still love them, but <laughs> yeah. I eat far less of them than I once did. Yep. So I really prioritize the plant world. I prioritize, you know, the leafy greens, the non-starchy vegetables. Yep. I don't eat nearly as much fruit as I used to. I was eating fruit all day long. Yeah. And 
the fruit of today is just not what it was even 50 years ago. It's all no. been hybridized and created to be larger and sweeter than the natural products were back in the yep. day. Yeah. And so I eat far less fruit than I ever used to. So those are kind of the major carbohydrate okay. changes that I made. Yep. The other major change was the types of fats, the quantity of fat and the types of fats. You know, we've all been told, especially on the heart healthy diet, that vegetable oils are the best thing ever. And they're the most incredibly toxic, chemically altered awful things anyone can eat. And we 100% need to get them out of our diet. What are the oils you would recommend people consume? Yeah, I'm a big fan of a good quality olive oil, avocado oil, a good butter, ghee, any of the animal fats I think are great. Those kinds of things are all really good. And then, you know, depending on what you're doing with it, some of them you can cook with, some of them you shouldn't cook with, but you can use them on like salads, yep. those kinds of things. So it just depends. But I would I definitely stay away from the canola and sunflower, safflower, soybean, all those. Yep. I'd stay away from all yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And then where does coconut oil sit for you? I actually really love coconut oil. It doesn't work for everybody. And I think it's, well, all oils are easy to overdo. And so you do want to be mindful of how much, but I'm a big fan of the coconut products. Because the coconut oil is one of the oils you can heat. And it, is, it doesn't yes. affect its molecular situation. Whereas olive oil, you probably don't want to heat it. Is that correct? You know, there's been some conflicting research on that. There was a study that came out, I think, just last year where they actually did look at how well oils stood up and they were looking for particular products that are given off when they turn rancid or when they go bad at certain heats. And olive oil actually was the best. Oh, that's awesome. In the end, it actually did the best. Even though it's got the lower smoke point, this yep. study showed that smoke point is the wrong thing to pay attention to. Okay. Well, that's good so news for me because I love olive yeah, oil and I love I cooking with olive oil. So that's a good one. Awesome. Andrea, yeah. this has been wonderful so far. We're going to have another break and we're going to come back and really give people some wonderful ideas of how to live a happy, healthy, wonderful, fabulous, energized, lean, <laughs> fabulous, incredible, purpose-driven life. How's that sound? Be back. Hi, I'm Andrea Nicholson, Metabolic Health Investigator on today's episode. If you are looking to solve your health challenges, I can help. We'll conduct a thorough investigation into your case and implement strategies so that you can have a pristine health scene. To learn more, schedule a free consultation. The link will be in the show notes for my website, which is www.healthylifewithandrea.com. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you take back your health. Andrea, I was just saying during the break, you're making me very hungry with all this talk about <laughs> yummy, healthy food. Isn't it just a different feeling when you put good food, the right food into your body? Like you just feel better. You feel awake, alive. You feel like you can do anything, create anything. It's amazing when, like you, I'm pretty focused on good nutrition. But if I have a moment, and we all have moments where I might have a couple of drinks or I might have a bowl of fries or I might have something, like every now and then I like to have a pasta and mm -hmm. I enjoy it. But then afterwards I go, oh my gosh, why did I do that? <laughs> Food affects us so many ways not just our blood sugar levels, not just our weight, not just our energy, but it affects our moods. It affects our clarity. It's so important, isn't it? It really is. It's so important. And everything that goes into our body will have an effect. And I say this to people all the time, be very deliberate about what you put into your body because everything's either going to have a detrimental effect or it's going to have a positive healthy effect. Which one? And what do you want? And what outcome do you want for your life? <sighs> anyway, off my high horse. Ha, <laughs> ha, 
So, Andrea, now I want to give people some amazing solutions here. Let's go back to gut health. And I know you've given some ideas and thoughts. We talked about gut health. We said the things that kill the good gut bacteria stress is processed foods and a lot of the foods you've spoken about. Let's start with toxicity because I think that's an interesting one because, again, it's easy to go, well, water's toxic. What can I do about it? Or the air is polluted. I can't change the quality of the air. Maybe we can. Let's start with toxins. What can we do to reduce toxicity and purify our environment? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things. Like you said, we're never going to fully eliminate all the toxins. There's going to be stuff we can't control. But I do think there's a lot we can control. You know, we can control the home care products that we're using. What are we using for cleaning and for, you know, taking care of things around the house? Switching those out for less toxic versions makes a big difference. You know, we can do a lot with something like vinegar. We don't need to necessarily even be buying commercial products. We definitely do not want to be overly sanitizing our worlds. We don't want to be killing off everything. We need exposures to microbes. That's what actually boosts our immune system. So we actually don't want to kill off everything in our environments everywhere. There's a time and a place we do. We do want to take care of mold. You know, we do want to take care of some pathogens, but we don't need to be bleaching every surface of our lives every day. That's just too much. So I think swapping out some of these products that we use every day, especially the ones that you use every single day or the ones that you put directly on your body, switching those out for less toxic versions is a great start. Yep. I would say one really easy thing to do is stop using anything with fragrance in it. Stop using air fresheners, the plug-in kind, the sprayable kinds, the ones that hang in your car. Stop using anything that has fragrance in it. If you can buy an unscented product, you're already better off than anything scented. So even if you're buying the exact same brand, if you can get an unscented version, you're already doing a lot of favors by eliminating hundreds of chemicals just by eliminating fragrances. So I think those kinds of things we can really choose. I think to the extent that you can buy the best quality food you can, you know, organic, good quality, good sources, minimally or not processed at all. Those kinds of things are all going to make a big difference. I think when it comes to water and air, I mean, there are filters, you know, you can filter your water, you can add filters to your home, you can switch out your furnace filters or use a HEPA filter or some kind of air cleaning system. So, Well, this is my attitude towards this, Andrea. Water and air are the things we consume the most from a nutritional point of view. We don't stop breathing. We breathe 24-7. It's not like, that's it. I've done enough breathing for today. I'm going to switch that off. You can't. (laughs) You've got to breathe or you're gone. And we spend most of our time in our house and it's inside our house is the most toxic. Mm -hmm. Why you wouldn't Invest in a good quality air purifier has got me absolutely bamboozled because it's the simplest thing to do. You buy a good quality air purifier, put it in your house, turn it on, bang. Now it's not going to get everything, but it's going to get a vast majority of the stuff that's going through your lungs and into your system. Water's the same thing. Why wouldn't you buy a good quality water purifier, put it on your tap, and never ever have to worry about toxic water ever again? Yep. This simple thing. And as you said, switching over products, never worry again. You're going to have to buy the products anyway, just buy better ones. Yep. So I think these things are incredibly simple, but they're expensive. Yeah, but what's your health worth? What's your family worth? What's your dreams and passions and purpose in life worth? Is it worth investing in some quality products that are going to really make a positive difference? Again, I'll get off my high horse now and head it back to you. (laughs) From a gut health point of view, what are the best foods people can be eating to really fill up those good quality gut bacteria that we need? The biggest drivers right now seem to be eating a really diverse diet. So getting a wide range of different foods in your diet, both from, you know, whatever animal proteins you're consuming and from the plants that you're consuming, getting a wide variety because 
the different bacteria in our guts, like we do, they like specific foods. Some of them really like fatty foods. Some of them really like higher sugar foods. Some of them really digest proteins really well. So the more diversity in your diet, the more diversity you'll have in your bugs. And this is good. We want a wide variety of microbes because they all do different things in the body. They synthesize different vitamins. They make some of our neurotransmitters. They make some of our hormones. They contribute to signaling the immune system when there is a pathogen present or there's something out of whack. So we, the more bacteria we have that are the good guys, the more those systems all work well. So I think eating a wide variety of good quality foods is the first thing. I think there's a little bit, the whole fiber scenario is one that's complicated. And I don't think there's a simple answer. I think some people do really well on a lot of fiber and they need that for proper bowel movements and feeling full and having the good bacteria. There's other people on the other end of the spectrum that actually can overdo it. And that's where I was. I was eating a ton of fiber and yet I was chronically constipated, didn't feel good. It wasn't working for me. So what solved your constipation problem then? You know, part of it was healing the gut. I had some bad bugs in my system that were contributing to digestive dysfunction. So I wasn't breaking down my food properly and that was contributing to some of the constipation. So dealing with those bad bugs that I didn't want was a big part of it. I also was really low in stomach acid and really low in digestive enzymes. So when I kind of boosted those systems up and then started eating more fat, because we need fat for proper elimination as well, eating the proper foods for my body, it just naturally went away. Okay, so let's go to fats now, because that's always a controversial topic, isn't it? And people are so fat phobic because of so many decades of rubbishy information that fats are bad for us. Well, we know there are certain fats bad for us and they're synthetic fats. I mean, I think anything synthetic is bad for you. Like say anything right. synthetic, get it out as much as yep. you can. What are the fats that you recommend people consume? Yeah, I think the oils that we talked about are great. So olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil. I think any of the animal fats are good um, from good quality sources. So butter, ghee, tallow, lard, suet, any of those kinds of things can be great for cooking with. People are scared um, think, right now, Andrea. They're going, oh my God, I can have butter, oh, no, I can right. have a lard. Like, no, I've had to avoid that. And even you have a lamb chop, you can actually eat the fat on the lamb right. chop rather than cut it off Yeah, and not feel guilty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hey, I, excuse me a second. I've got to go ahead and cook myself a lamb chop. I'll be right. back. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely one that it takes a little time to retrain your brain. I catch myself still sometimes really like, oh, that's a lot of fat or that's a lot of calories or that should I really eat? Like I still catch myself in that mode, but we need fats. Now you can still overdo it. Even on the good fats, you can still overdo it. They are the higher calorie of the three macros. Fat does bring the biggest caloric amount with it. So you can certainly overdo it, but we need fats. Your brain yep. needs fat. Your hormones need fat. Your, cell Your digestion membrane. needs all, cell membranes. Cell. You can't absorb fat soluble vitamins without fat. Yep. And we know we have a vitamin D deficiency and vitamin D is fat soluble. So without adequate fats in your diet, you can't utilize these nutrients. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the omega-3, omega-6 balance and where and what and how we need to look at that. Yeah. So omega-3s and omega-6s are polyunsaturated fats that are essential. We have to consume them. We cannot make them. They are required for cell function and brain function. The distinction is that we need a particular ratio of threes to sixes. And most of us are getting almost all sixes and hardly any, if any, threes. And when we have this imbalance, it seems to be contributing to inflammatory processes 
and disease progression when we have too many sixes and not enough threes. And so a big driver of this is the vegetable oils because those are contributing a lot to the omega-6 profiles. So if we get those vegetable oils out, you'll naturally be consuming a lot less of the sixes. You'll still get some. They're present yeah. in meats and eggs and you know all the fat sources. They're nuts and seeds. Yep. They're present in lots of natural foods, but we definitely don't want to overload them with no. these vegetable oils. And so where do we get to, the omega-3s from? Because that's the anti-inflammatory one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the really beneficial anti-inflammatory. The best sources are going to be like your fatty fishes, those kinds of things. So salmon or cod, cod liver oil, those kinds of things are going to be your best sources. You can get some from plant sources like flaxseed, but we have to be able to make a conversion from the type of omega-3 that's in those plant sources into a different form that we can actually use. And a lot of us aren't very good at making that conversion. Yep. It's a really, you only convert a small portion of them. And so your best sources are the fatty fish. So fish, fish really is. What about people that don't eat fish, don't like fish? You can do supplements as well. You can take, you know, shots of like cod liver oil, those kinds of things, or you can get capsules, yep. um, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it's a critical one, isn't it? Because it is for a lot of issues, and I've found myself skin issues, a lot of people that have respiratory issues or any kind of inflammatory issues, and they go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes an anti-inflammatory. Well, the natural world provides the most amazing anti-inflammatory there is, and that's omega-3. So we've just got to start increasing our omega-3 intake, exactly what you said. Okay, Andrea, this is awesome. Last little thing, energy. People want to bounce out of bed. They want to love life. What are a couple of ideas and thoughts for people just to have more energy? Yeah, I think the sleep quality is a big one. You know, getting to bed at the right times of night when possible. Obviously, if you work night shift, you're kind of at the whim of your schedule. But if you work a normal eight to five kind of schedule and you can sleep appropriately at night, we should be sleeping during dark hours. We should be awake during light time hours. So the more we can get to sleep by 10 p.m., there's some studies that show that we get the most restorative sleep between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., like those hours count for more than one hour yeah. each. You get like two hours for every one. So that makes a big bonus. Difference. Yeah, you get a big bonus if you get to bed early. So, you know, sleeping at appropriate times, really getting quality sleep. So having a good nighttime routine to unwind and relax. TV doesn't count. Blue screens don't count. Aww. You know, all of those things don't count. So That's you need some, some unwinding before you go to bed. Dark, cool environment, quiet, all of those things. Get quality sleep. That's going to be the first thing because... Clearly, you're not going to have abundant energy if you don't sleep. That's going to be a big problem. Um, I think the more we can eliminate, you know, the stimulants and things that give us that like artificial energy, the more our body will actually produce our own energy. And then I would say, lastly, you know, just optimizing your whole system. So, you know, taking in quality nutrition, fixing any imbalances that, you know, you do have in your body, those kinds of things will naturally help all of your yep. systems work well and produce natural energy. Awesome. And then the weight loss thing, and we're not even going to spend any time on that because that'll just happen. Like when Absolutely. you get your gut health right, when you get your energy balance right, when you get your blood sugar levels right, your body fat will just take care of itself and your body will go where it needs to go and where it wants to go and you don't need to stress. And I think too many people get so fixated on weight and scales and they make dumb choices because yep. what's going to get my weight down? Do the right things every single day and trust me, your weight will go down. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay, Andrea, how do people find you if they want to pick your brain and they want to get into your investigative research mind and get some specific help with maybe a certain issue? How do they find you? Yeah, the best way is my website, which is healthylifewithandrea.com. And from there, you can book a consultation with me and we can chat about your unique situation.
Wonderful. Andrea, thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation. You're doing brilliant stuff and I'm very grateful that you've been able to spend some time with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Good one. Thanks. What a really informative, wonderful conversation that was with Andrea Nicholson and some real practical ideas. Guys, as you're listening to this, you're going, yeah, I know it all. So I know you know it. The question is, what are you going to do as a result of listening to this podcast? Please pick something that Andrea spoke about and apply it. Is it starting to get rid of toxins in your home, purify your air, your water, change over some of your products? Is it to start removing some of those processed foods and increasing more natural, healthy foods that are going to enhance your gut health and enhance your energy? Is it get to bed a bit earlier? I don't know what it is for you, but please don't listen to this and go, wow, that was really interesting and do nothing. Do something. And if you want to do something, but you're not sure where to start, reach out to Andrea, go to healthylifewithandrea.com and you'll be able to book a consultation with her and have a conversation. I think that would be your best place to start. Thanks for being with me again this week. It has been a wonderful conversation. And again, do something with this information, please. I implore you for that sake of your own health and well-being and for that of your family and the people that you love the most and the things you want to achieve in this world, you need optimal well-being. I'll be back next week. Please join me. Please share this. Be here. I'll be here. Love being here and hope that you will too. My name's Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast. <laughs>